Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. It's another edition of some college basketball here on Full Slate as we continue to ride through the premier month on the college hardwood. Joined, as always, by Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks 2. And we certainly talk plenty of college basketball on this podcast when we have Bill on, so it's good to have him back. Bill, you can get us started on the Northwestern therapy session. Oh, my God. No, but I, I can't even really be that mad, right? Like, they started out so poor. Right. They had, they had like, two points 11 minutes into the game or yeah, something ridiculous. That was, that was brutal. And they'll have them fight. Oh, my gosh, as we're talking about here, it pops yeah, up on my TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, to see them get all the way up by seven. And then, look, I texted you, man. It's That was typical Marcus Carr. Closer Carr, like – Good for him. Like he's he's had a tremendous Still career. Still playing hard despite everything Minnesota has been through that we talked about. Right. It's just it, it just sucked to see us crawl all the way back, seem to have a comfortable lead, and then to to take it on the chin there was tough. But but that being said, I think we both had pretty good days. I'm looking at your your Cal squad right now. They're yep. up 14 with under two to go. So I think I'm okay. Yeah, I think so. No jinx in that one. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think we. I, I think I believe on the plays that I had put out 
on the pod. I can't believe it. I texted my guys. I, I forgot to put Georgetown on my card. <laughs> I thought I had it on my card when I set it out. I know I talked about it last night here on the on the pod. Um, but Northwestern was my only loss, I think, that I gave out. Iowa State hit for us. Um, Wyoming hit for us. And I said Georgetown hit for us as well. So not too bad there. I'm pretty sure you're either in the same yep, boat, right? I, I am profitable with the Cal win. Uh, Syracuse cashed. Uh, and then uh, we had uh, Iona, which I know you ended up hopping on. That cashed for me. And then I kind of went back to square one with the Northwestern loser. Uh, but fortunately, uh, Cal got me back in the black. So overall, six and two, is that what it sounds like? That's what it sounds like. I'll take that every single pod. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, it, 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 it is, I was going to say, six and two is six and two, but <laughs> given that we were just so convinced on Northwestern, it does feel worse than that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And hey, I told you guys this, and I don't know if any of our listeners follow this, but there's an account called believe it's 11 bets where this guy puts out his plays and I don't know if he is a really good capper and puts out the opposite of what he's playing but it's just ridiculous how many times he loses he's a month on it at 8 and 18 over his last 26 I think or something like that in college basketball and I saw him out on Northwestern I'm like oh my god this is not a good sign I should pull off and I should pull off and I'm like yeah <laughs> He's like the Washington Generals, right? Like he's due to win here or there, but uh, after that start, yeah, it was it was tough to come back. So tough pill to swallow with it being our max plays. But again, like you said, six and two is six and two, and profit is profit. We'll take it and move on to the next day. And on to the next day means we will talk more about the Big Ten now, as we just talked about Minnesota pulling off a short upset victory there over Northwestern. Uh, if you listened to the podcast today as we record on a th- Wednesday night for Thursday, we did uh, kind of do a bunch of conference tournament breakdown stuff before we got into our picks. Similar thing here, except only with three conferences ex- instead of the four that we ran through on the last podcast. And so we might as well start with the Big Ten, where obviously we have the Michigan Wolverines having won the Big Ten regular season title. They are the number one seed. But look out for those Illinois fighting Illini. They seem to be uh, really uh, cruising down the fast lane here heading into the Big Ten tournament. And so uh, we'll see if they can kind of keep their momentum rolling. Uh, obviously, the Iowa Hawkeyes right of the ship there at the end of the year. It kind of looked like they were the elite Big Ten team that was leaking oil there in February. But yeah. they really picked up. Uh, some momentum there in the early parts of March heading into the conference tournament. Nice road win against Ohio State for them. Uh, and interestingly enough, Purdue ends up getting past Ohio State for that last double bye. Buckeyes obviously coming in, not playing their best. We'll get to them later. Uh, but, Bill, I'm curious how you see this tournament. I know that Michigan won the outright regular season title, but how can you not ignore Illinois, especially with that beatdown that they put on Michigan in Ann Arbor, I would expect Illinois to be the favorite here, but that's just me. Well, I am 100% with you. Illinois was my preseason pick, and then when I was going through this uh, conference tournament bracket in my breakdown on my website, same thing came out. I have Illinois uh, being the champions here in the Big Ten Conference, actually holding a real sign, I guess, as opposed to what they were holding after they won their last regular season game. Um <laughs> 
but uh, look, we've talked about this conference all year. It's been absolutely phenomenal, um, and I think we're going to see some great matchups. I, I'm looking at early on tomorrow, which I'm going to dive more into uh, when we talk about our picks, but I think the Rutgers-Indiana game is really intriguing. Rutgers sitting on that 10-seed line, look like they're in the tournament, but you know, an early loss could easily mean yeah, they'll be in the NIT Bill, by the way, We're going to get more into this, obviously. Uh, Michigan State and Maryland is another mm-hmm. game that kind of has bubble implications. We talked a little bit earlier uh, in March or late February about how the bubble might get handled relative, you know, we just talked about the top end Big Ten teams, but let's talk about some of these bubble teams and just what needs to be done here. Certainly Michigan State looks to be on the right side of things after Mm -hmm. that win at home against Michigan. Maryland seems to be in good shape, so I think the loser there probably still breathes, breathes a little easily and is able to make it. Uh, you know, you talked about Rutgers in Indiana, you know, obviously Indiana not in great shape and, and Minnesota obviously completely played its way off of the bubble. But how do you kind of see the bubble playing out in the Big Ten? Yeah, I, I think everybody's kind of solidified, I would say. I guess the only teams that should really be worrying is Rutgers. And look, at I think it would be Michigan State that should worry. I believe they're one of the last four you in. Think- they are one of the last four buys for Lenardi right now. Yeah, and right. look, it's still Michigan State, and we talked about this before, right, when we were talking about the ACC tournament and what Duke, what Duke needed to do to get in. They have name recognition, so even if they lose this game, I really I find it hard to believe that the committee will not have Michigan State in the tournament. So I think pretty much everybody is... Maryland's good, you think? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw them as a... I thought I saw them as a ten. I saw them as a ten. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that they're going to be okay with a loss here to Michigan State. I guess you, you could argue that they have more to lose than Michigan State because they're obviously their name recognition isn't that high. Um, but I think the team here that has we talk about paths all the time, right? Like what what team has the, the easiest the draw? Path? Right. Yeah. And you know, and um, I actually really like the team that you mentioned that's kind of been struggling, that's the Buckeyes. Sure. Um, I think, you know, look, they're going to have Minnesota uh, in that game that just whatever, let's not talk about anymore. Um, and I think they're favored by double digits for tomorrow. So they should be able to get by them pretty easily. Purdue, not that great of a team. They're ahead of them in the rankings. However, I think the Buckeyes could definitely escape by them. And then who knows They'll probably be favored in that game. Yeah, I would think so. And then you look at the bottom of that bracket, you know, Michigan State, Maryland, winner takes on Michigan. Michigan without Eli Brooks, um, sure. you know, who knows? We don't know what we're going to see from them. So if there's some kind of upset from that eight or nine seed, you know, then you could have Ohio State playing one of them. And if not, you know, Ohio State playing Michigan. I was going to say, it wasn't like it was a blowout when they played in Columbus. No, no, not at all. So they definitely would have the ability to knock them off. And then, of course, you're going to get either – most likely Iowa or Illinois coming out of the other side there. But, again, I think Illinois is just on a mission. I think that um, with the reason that uh, – And, and Kofi, came back. Yeah, and Kofi came back. Right. I, I I remember when they made that announcement, I was like, look, that's my team right now to be to be the national champions next year. Are you year. holding just, an Illinois national championship future? I am. Okay. I am. Yeah. I don't know exactly when I grabbed it, but – I'll look it up. I know I definitely have one, maybe two different tickets on one, two different sites. Um, but yeah, they just look the strongest, most complete. And I, and real quick, I, in my breakdown on my site, I talk about you know I just give it 
idea of who I think might be MVP. Um, and look, I, this is kind of a long shot, but the fact that when the sumo went out, and I always talk about this when guys get hurt, you know, it's always next man up and people have opportunities and sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. The kid Andre Curbelo, the freshman, I mean, he had a good season. Yeah. But he really, really ro- rose to the occasion um, when DeSumo was out. And I think that's just going to carry through in this postseason. You know, he's he's filled that void. God forbid that he goes down again or there's foul trouble. Like, they can look to him, crazy to say, as a freshman, um, to be able to take the team over and, you know, kind of run point and – run the show, so to speak. So I think Illinois is the most complete team in this conference tournament. I like them to win this one, and I obviously like them to make a deep run uh, in the NCAA tournament as well. Not as much here on the previous or the remaining two conferences we're going to run through, uh, but uh, let's discuss the American Athletic Conference briefly because uh, the American does get started on Thursday, and they will have their conference championship game on Selection Sunday. Bill, I suppose you're going to tell me how great my Temple Owls are and that they're going to take this one, right? Well, yeah, I believe, yeah, we got Rick Brunson Mark coming. up again. Aaron yeah, Mason. Rick Brunson and Eddie Jones. Yeah, right, they're all coming back for this one. Um, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. I don't, I don't follow this conference um, anywhere as closely as you do um, outside of the fact that my wife went to Temple, so I followed Temple a little bit, and it would be a great storyline to see them make a run. But I'm going to leave this one up to you, and I'll sit back and enjoy the, <laughs> the conversation that could be. of. Well, I the, will uh, be honest. I'll start with my owls. They're a short favorite tomorrow against South Florida. And if they do win, they'd be playing Wichita State in the quarterfinal, who's the number one seed. Uh, that's the 8-9 game, South Florida Temple. Uh, and it did strike me as uh, just looking back at things, and, and I kind of remember keeping an eye on I didn't watch the game, but I was following it pretty closely. Temple went to Wichita State and only lost by three back in February. So, uh, you know, I, not, I'd be kidding myself, lying to myself if I said I wouldn't be somewhat excited for that game against Wichita if Temple does get there. But that is the big thing that I'm looking at here is Wichita State being the top seed in this conference. And obviously Houston has been one of the more elite mid-majors the last few years, uh, really ever since Kelvin Sampson took that program over. Uh, but we're see, Wichita State, ever since, it really seems like they've been inspired in a weird way, you know, ever since the whole Greg Marshall stuff happened there, where now here they are. Isaac Brown was named the full-time head coach at Wichita State earlier this month, and, you know, he was the interim hire right after Marshall was dismissed, and they seem to be playing pretty inspired basketball, so... I think Wichita State, if they do win this conference tournament, you know, would would be a team that you would start to hear more about nationally going into Selection Sunday and where their draw sets themselves up. Uh, just because even me, you know, being a Temple alum and keeping an eye on this conference a little more, I was a little surprised to see Wichita State, uh, you know, as the – if you would have told me at the beginning of the season they would be the number one seed, especially given everything that was going on, it would have surprised me. So certainly a hat tip to the Shockers there. Um, Houston, I think it goes without saying. They're a great mid-major, and I think nationally kind of already has a lot of respect. Uh, They're the number two seed in the bracket. Uh, And then you have some bubble teams with uh, Memphis and uh, SMU. SMU had some COVID problems, uh, but, you know, and they'll probably, I think the Ponies probably still need to win the conference tournament. Uh, And Memphis, you know, with, with Penny and the boys, 
they're starting to play well, and it does look like I, I don't like if they they're the three seed Memphis. So if they get Houston in the semifinal, if the seeds hold, you know maybe if they could win that game, would they not need to win the conference tournament? I think that's possible. So uh, that's kind of the outlook here: Wichita and Houston, as far as the the teams that are going, uh, and then uh, you know Memphis uh, making a case, and and maybe the Mustangs. Uh, if if things break their way. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to add or we just want to move right on, but that's what I got on the American. The only thing I add is, that, you know, you mentioned Houston. Houston was one of my teams that we talked about preseason, um, a team, a mid-major team that we thought could make a run, and they have not disappointed so far up until this point. Uh, I was curious to see what what seed they end up getting. It's always interesting when you see mid-majors like this. Gonzaga throw out the door because of how good they've been over the course of so many years. Um, but this Houston team, I'm really curious to see where they end up getting slotted here. Uh, Lenardi, I'm trying to pull it up real quick where he's got them as a two seed right now. So that'll be interesting as a two seed coming out. You know, the seven ten game is always uh, intriguing, and then the winner of that to face Houston. You know, I'd like to see Houston make a run, but depending on what that seven ten team is, it's most likely going to be a Big Ten team because there's so many of them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Houston going up against a top program yeah. for the best conference in the history of civilization. Right, and that's the thing. Like, that's kind of, like, interesting. That'll be interesting just with how the national bracket shakes out because you mentioned Houston out of the American, and, you know, uh, these teams from other leagues that get seeded high, you know, we're about to get to the SEC, and obviously, you know, the SEC is, you know, not very top-heavy. I mean, you kind of have Alabama and Arkansas – so, you know, what if Alabama or Arkansas in that two or three line, you know, would draw, you know, uh, a 7-10 Big Ten winner or a, a 6-11 Big Ten winner? You know, that, that's something I'm, I'm curious to see uh, shake itself out in the tournament is just how some of these teams – I'm not saying that Houston's bad or, or that, you know, Arkansas or Alabama's overrated or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I, I just think it's interesting when you have these teams yeah. that are in, you know, less – competitive leagues and not every league is the big 10 that's for sure but right. I, I just think it'll be interesting to see where the michigan states and where the you know maryland's land in the national tournament and mm-hmm. if they you know because we're going to see this scenario that we're just describing play out and it'll be interesting to see how the higher seed in the, the houston or the alabama or the arkansas in that case does yeah it's fine i'm looking at it right now there are three uh, Big Ten teams slated in the 7 or 10 slot. And right. then of that, two of them have a Big Ten team in the two slot that they can match up with. So I feel like by the second weekend, you're going to have like all these Big Ten teams. It's going to be like a Big Ten tournament all over again, you know, <laughs> if, the, if these guys can all get the job done in, in the first two games of the of the NCAA tournament. It'll be it'll be interesting. But um, we got one more conference here to go yeah, over. Let's go to the SEC where – um, I kind of hit on it. Like it, it kind of feels like. First off, Arkansas. I know, Bill, you've been riding them a little bit, and I, I've been on them uh, off and on the last month or so as well. Arkansas is coming in one of the hotter teams in the country, uh, and Alabama obviously has been at the top of this conference pretty much the whole season. Kentucky struggles are well documented. I'm never going to feel bad for Cal having a bad <laughs> season. Um, you know, and, and then, then you have, you know, a bunch of teams after Arkansas and Alabama where it's just like, I don't know if we should take them seriously because, you know, Bill, we talked a little bit. I forget what team it was now that 
you kind of compared yesterday in the conference previews to LSU. Um, but, uh, you know, you have LSU and you have Tennessee and you have Florida and you have Missouri. And I'm going to get to Missouri a little later. But it's just hard to know who to take seriously here after Alabama and Arkansas. Do you have an answer to that question, Bill? It's, it's a really good question. I think the team that I would say would be what you said with LSU and the fact of, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from them. It's hard to, like, just really hone in on them. I think the one team that kind of intrigues me a little bit only because there's just so much val- potential value, I guess you'd say, in them is, is the Missouri team, you know, a team that we've seen – kind of up and down, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde stuff. Sure, but if right. they can get their stuff together, you know what I mean? Like, they're, I, I don't know what their odds are now, but they had pretty decent odds uh, as of the other day. You know, you look at those, then they have to get through Arkansas next. And the Arkansas is a team that I have uh, winning the championship here for the SEC um, over, I believe, I think I have them going over Bama, um but look, there's a lot of storylines in here, right? We got Kentucky. You know, who knows what could could come of them if they can make a run. Uh, Florida, we talked about. It's interesting. That's the one team. Like, could you imagine? You know, how quickly you forget. You know, early on in the season when Florida lost. Um, and I'm going to blank on his name now. Uh, but the kid. Oh, who, uh, the the big kid. Yeah, the kid. Well, he was he was preseason player of the year in the conference last year. No, no, no. Um, the transfer. No, the big kid that passed out. He yeah, the guy that transferred condition. from Virginia Tech, right? No, 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 the kid. No, he's been there in Florida. He, he had the he had the heart issue, passed out. Where they had a Virginia Tech transfer in their lineup. Obviously. They might too, but I'm th- I'm thinking about the other kid who who they lost for the season, who was preseason player of the year. Like, think about them. They look. They end up being a five seed in this tournament. And to oh, be able Johnson, to play. Johnson. That's it. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. So imagine if they would have been able to have him, how intriguing it would be with with a Florida team with him and obviously Bam and Arkansas the seasons that they've had. I think we'd be talking about Florida as that number three team. Well, I shouldn't say number three team. They could be the number one or number two team. Terry but I think they would be that third team that we gotcha. I think they would be the third team um within the conference that we'd be talking about more. I just think right now it's just it's Bama, Arkansas, and then you see a, a decent um, decent gap between them and the rest of the field here. And he is a big kid, but he's not on the Florida program anymore. So I was a year, but he, he was there. He was there for last season, and okay. I was getting my the big guys mixed up. You're right, but yeah, you're right though. If because uh, I, I remember when that happened, and and it kind of felt like oh god, you know, like this is not only. I mean, gosh, if that happened to anybody, you'd be really concerned. But it, it was the type of thing where it was like by itself, could kind of shift the balance of power in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, again, I don't have much more to go on here with the SEC. I just – I really think – I like Arkansas. I like the way they've been playing. The Kentucky storyline's intriguing. The Missouri-Georgia matchup's interesting right here. I know you're going to have a pick on that. I don't this game, but you like Kentucky to at least beat Mississippi State there tomorrow? I think so. I mean, I have a heavy lean on Kentucky right now. Um, I just, I just really think the guys that have been there before, especially the coaches, can really get them up. And Mississippi State doesn't do anything for me, so sure. I could see Kentucky getting there, and then maybe even giving Bama a game. I don't think they can beat Bama, but I think they they could give them a little bit of a game. So it'll be fun either way. No doubt about it. Let's take a break. 
and we'll come back and we'll get to our picks on the other side. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make sure that you're having the most comfortable sheets. Don't you love your sheets? Brooklinen has you covered. Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers and make luxury available directly to you without the luxury-level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code UNCONTESTED to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And enter the promo code UNCONTESTED to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com. And use the promo code UNCONTESTED at checkout. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter. And when Bill's on, that means we're talking plenty of college basketball as it is the month of college basketball, which means we're hoping to stay in the black after a good Wednesday. We record on Wednesday night for Thursday. And we're going to start in the Big 12, Bill, where you're looking to the short dogs, the pokes of Oklahoma State taking on West Virginia. They are getting three, total of 151 and a half. Yes, sir. I'm going against my boy Huggy Bear in this one. <laughs> Cowboys 5-0 and against the spread the last five against teams with winning percentages above 600. They like to get up for their ranked opponents, 9-2 and two on the season. West Virginia on the other side, only 6-5 and five against ranked opponents. Oklahoma State as a dog throughout the season. They've been in that position 13 times. They were able to cover 10 of those 13. And not only that, in these short line games, They've been in a bunch of them. I have them in, it looks like, five, anywhere from a two-point dog to a three-and-a-half-point dog. Every single one of those games they covered, not only did they cover, but they also won outright. That was against Marquette, against Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. I don't believe I have West Virginia on that list, so I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cowboys here uh, be able to add West Virginia to that list, getting an outright win. Not saying I'm taking the money line. I'll be taking the points for sure, but I could could possibly sprinkle a little bit of the money line come tomorrow morning. I believe they're one of the weird tips. Is that correct? Like at 11? Yeah, 11.30. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll have a few hours after I get up in the morning to make my <laughs> final decision on that. Um, but look at the way history has shown with this team. And, and look, the other part of it, too, you know, we, we talk a lot of analytics here on the pod, right? We talk a lot about trends. We talk a lot about statistics. The one thing that I don't think a lot of people like talking about, and me personally at least, I don't really 
put too much emphasis on this when I'm doing the handicapping. That being said, I want to go out and say it. This team in Oklahoma State, they feel like – it just feels like they're in a way a team of destiny. Like, you know, they've had this NCAA hanging over their head. What are they going to do? Are they going to allow them to postseason? Are they not? Again, I still don't even think they have word from them yet if they're definitely going to be allowed to play. I can't imagine them pulling them out, you know, as we sit here technically game day um, for them. But I think they kind of have a chip on their shoulder, you know, as good as the Big 12 has been, like we said – Oklahoma State really preseason wasn't the team that anybody really was talking about. Uh, and I feel like they used that as a chip on their shoulder throughout the year. And, you know, the books really haven't changed. They keep putting them as dogs, and they keep knocking these teams off each and every time. So wouldn't shock me to see them win here outright. I'm going to be playing them, getting the points. Yeah, and listen, I am not going to have a play in this game, but I'm certainly not going to disagree with the side that you're on here with Oklahoma State. I have been stepping in front of Oklahoma State a couple times now. I've uh, actually gotten my dick handed to me a couple times now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Oklahoma twice against Oklahoma State. Yeah. That didn't work out. And then in the final game of the regular season against West Virginia, I was on Oklahoma – excuse me, I was on West Virginia against Oklahoma State. That didn't work out. And it just – you know, I'm at the point where it's like – Oklahoma State, I never thought I'd be saying, I mean, this isn't Eddie Sutton and, you know, John Lucas knocking St. Joe's out, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Like, as far as a train, I don't want to step in front of. But after, as I said, just getting bent over by Oklahoma State, I'm done fading them until, (laughs) you know, until, you know, they lose this game by double digit. No, I, I can't do it. And, Listen, uh, you know, no disrespect to West Virginia. They certainly made me sweat it last week with uh, Baylor. Cashed that one by the hook in overtime. But, uh, you know, there's something about this Oklahoma State team. I think, you know, I think they're pretty dangerous. I, you know, we'll see where they go in this Big 12 tournament. Be curious to see how high they can get as far as a seed in the national tournament. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. It's funny. I've been looking for – some odds on them to win the, the title. And it's it's funny. A lot of the books don't have anything on them because they don't know what the state's going to be as far as if they're going to have them there yeah. or not. It's it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that is certainly the times that we're living in right now with all the uncertainty surrounding some of these teams. Uh, I want to stay in the Big 12 for my next pick, rivalry game here, uh, and I'm going to go to a uh, evening tip, rightfully so. This is the last game on the Thursday slate in the Big 12. And give me the Texas Longhorns, plus one and a half against Texas Tech. Total in this game of 130 and a half, or excuse me, 135 and a half. But I'm going to be on Texas here. Double revenge spot for the Longhorns. Obviously, we were both on Texas in the single revenge spot there against Texas Texas Tech, excuse me, in Lubbock just a few weeks ago. And Texas really just went cold in the second half and, and made us pay. But since then... I've liked the way that they've responded. 3-0 and straight up and against the spread. Um, and listen, both those games were decided by single digits against Texas Tech. This is going to sound a little square, but I'm going with the age-old, you know, hard to beat a team three times in a row, particularly when it's evenly matched teams like this. Like I said, both games went right down to the wire. The first game in Austin was actually only a two-point win. That was when Matt McClung hit the big shot, I believe, to win the game yeah, against yeah. Texas. Yeah. Were you on Texas there, Bill? 
Yeah, and it was also I just uh, I just don't like Mac McClung, so him knocking down that <laughs> shot, I wasn't too happy. Give about. Andrew Jones to be the best guard on the floor in this game, uh, at least for this one time against Texas Tech. Uh, both these teams top thirty in offensive and defensive efficiency. I mean, they're just so evenly matched. Again, if you told me any team was on a two or three game winning streak against the other, I'd play the other side when they met up again. So that's kind of where I'm at here. Uh, hook 'em horns plus one and a half. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't have a play yet, but I was definitely leaning towards Texas. And it's cliche as it is. It's what you said. Uh, you know, it's hard to be a team three times in a season, especially when you're talking about, you know, a matchup where it's so, so evenly matched here. Uh, I'm probably going to end up putting a play on Texas. Uh, my hatred I do think it's telling, by the way, Bill, that the line that we gave out a couple of weeks ago on Texas against Texas Tech was like three, three and a half in Lubbock. Okay. And that only two weeks have passed. But again, I think those three games, and it was just three games, but Texas played well enough in those three games to where now, having lost by nine against Texas Tech just a couple of weeks ago, now it's one and a half. Yeah, it, that, that's definitely telling. I mean, look, at, yeah, Texas is one, three straight, but let's be real. They beat Iowa State and TCU and a good Oklahoma team. But um, if you're going to pick a couple teams in the conference to – get it turned around against, I think you'd definitely be picking TCU and, and Iowa State. Cover it up in those games. No, absolutely. I know, I know. But still, I'm just saying, it's not like they've been going up against the, the best opponents here. And, I, and I, by the way, I faded them. I had TCU in that last game, just kind of going off the, mm-hmm. coming off the rivalry game against Oklahoma, sure. maybe looking ahead to the Big 12 tournament. And so, I, I kind of like that as well, just the fact that they're, they seemed pretty laser focused and, uh, and got that win by double digits against the Horned Frogs. So I'll be on Texas. All right. Let's move on and go to the Big East, uh, where at the world's most famous arena, the Seton Hall Pirates. Gosh, this is one I wish there would be a full crowd for, because I feel like you get pretty divided in Madison Square Garden between Seton Hall uh, being the North Jersey team and St. John's being the New York team. Uh, But Seton Hall, a short one-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 151. Uh, Bill, you're on the Pirates here, and we both kind of talked about them a little yesterday in our Big East Conference Tournament preview as kind of a sneaky team to maybe look out for if you're looking for somebody after Villanova and Creighton in this league. Yeah, and that's that's what kind of guided me to the play to begin with. And then um, the fact that they just played each other, right, and St. John's got a 10-point victory um, on as a short favorite. Now the line's shifted. I feel like that's an indicator, at least to me, that, you know, they're back. Vegas is now backing Seton Hall in this matchup. And don't forget, Seton Hall led in that last game by 10 at the halftime. They folded in the second half. But was that on purpose? Was that was that Kevin Willard playing mind games, a little rope-a-dope? <laughs> hey, we're not going to show him much in the second half. This game doesn't mean anything. No, I don't, I don't think that's actually the case. But, like I said, I talked about Hall. I talked about it in my, in my preview right up on my on my site. The senior leadership and experience they have, I think, is going to prove dividends in this one. I think the Hall looks to Nova as a very, very wounded team who they have success throughout the years with, um, possibly up next. And then if they get that done, obviously they can have a chance to to win this tournament and make it into the big dance. So I think everything lines up for the Hall here. Um, It has to start with beating St. John's. Again, I think the biggest thing for me, though, is the fact the line shifted over to the Hall being the short favorite here after losing by 10. It doesn't make sense to me. I feel like if you're looking at it that way, St. John should have been a two-, three-point favorite coming into it. The fact that they're not is going to put me on the Hall here. 
Yeah, and I think what you do there, just kind of running through the lines and, and, and where the line comes is, is definitely, uh, you know, a, a good observation. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, I, I mentioned it yesterday. I was not as gung-ho about the Big East maybe as you were, um, just with the league kind of lacking. You know, we just, before we hopped on, talked about that Butler-Xavier game. And, you know, Butler, obviously – a team that you kind of always are used to being at the top of the league, you know, they're, they're, they're not this year, and, you know, ditto for Marquette, and, you know, Georgetown obviously is still yet to kind of rekindle the the magic uh, that, you know, John Thompson III kind of had for them. So point being, it just doesn't feel like as deep of a league as years past, and my excitement level for the Big East games this year was not nearly as high, but I will say just nationally, I felt like I heard more about Seton Hall throughout the season than I did St. John's. St. John's had their moment in the sun there against Villanova but I just think plain and simple you're getting a better team here with Seton Hall and you're getting them at a short enough line where you know the better team's probably going to win the game and as square as that sounds uh, I, I think that uh, it's probably probably the side to be on here uh, so I'll certainly be uh, rooting for your play there on the Pirates and again uh, you know saw them win at UConn earlier this year Seton Hall so uh, certainly could be the type of team that uh, could be uh, worth making some noise, and uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, Bill, you would know how they do against Nova. I don't think it went well for them, right? Uh, the Hall, yeah. Uh, actually, that's a great question. I'm not really sure. I'm gonna try and pull it up because uh, I'd be interested to see. Obviously, with them being on the bubble, Nova being a little short-handed, it just feels like it could be. They could be, uh, you know, primed for an upset. Oh yeah, that's right. They they. They only lost by two in the first matchup. They lost by eight in the second. That first okay. matchup was okay. tight. And, and, and I'm assuming then Nova was pretty healthy. Yeah, they had everybody. Right, right. So certainly seems like if they can get past this game, uh, the Pirates could be in line to make a little bit of a run. Uh, let's move on and go, go to the ACC. Only pick in the ACC is coming from yours truly on this pod. And I'm doing it. I'm going to uh, Hey, Coach K is on my screen right now, too. Perfect um, timing. Gosh, the Duke Blue Devils are a two-and-a-half-point underdog against Florida State, total of 153. And you had me a two-and-a-half. Uh, <laughs> well, that's all I need to be playing Duke. Here's another reason I like this, Bill. I don't know if you knew this. They did not play in the regular season. Okay? So... It's not even like we can say, you know, because maybe had they played and had Duke had its, you know, marquee win of the year against Florida State, then you could say, okay, you know, I could somewhat get it. But they didn't even play in the regular season. And how many times have we talked about kind of the line of demarcation in the ACC this year, drawing at just after two with UVA and FSU. And here we are. One of those teams is just a two and a half point favorite against Duke a team that is still on the outside looking in of the ACC tournament. But I'll tell you what, I think we're getting awful close. And and we're not talking UNC, Virginia Tech here, but I think we're getting awful close to that matchup that you wanted to see in that semifinal on Friday night uh, between the Blue Devils and the Tar Heels, uh, where, you know, obviously Duke would start to make things very interesting if I cash my ticket here and they do win this game outright. Uh, I think they're coming in with confidence. They blew out Boston College. They beat Louisville by double digits in a revenge game today. Um, Louisville having picked up that win at Cameron not that long ago. FSU comes in having lost two out of three 
including a double-digit loss against Notre Dame as a seven seven-point road favorite. Yeah, I'm going to uh, drink the Blue Devil Kool-Aid a little, but I'll tell you this, Bill. If there's ever a bet I would be okay losing, it would be this one. But I got to play Duke plus the short number. So you said they haven't played in a regular season, right? So what what would that really mean? Duke would be 13-12 and 12 instead of 13-11. and 11. Is that what we're saying here? Well, I, I mean, probably. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'm saying, okay. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Look, I agree with you. This number, when I first came out, I looked at it, and I was like, okay, that doesn't seem right. That, However, though, you got to feel at least – you tell me. You're the one back, and I'm here. Don't you feel a little bit like there's some blue blood Duke bias because they're on this run, and, oh, it's Duke. They're going to find a way to get there. You know, I do, but, like, if that – if Florida State – hadn't come in a little shaky with those two losses that I'm probably passing this game, even if it's the same line. But, you know, I, I do think, and I try not to be victimized by recency bias, but I do think with these kids at this time of year, it matters a little more. And especially with a team like Duke, where I know Jalen Johnson's not there anymore and, Guys, it seemed like they were worse with him on the floor anyway. But, you know, we're kind of waiting for these teams to wake up and play their best basketball. Preseason top five, preseason top ten teams. Michigan State seems to be doing that. And and maybe Duke is catching fire right in the nick of time. Still work to be done, even if the Blue Devils win this game. But I do think there's something to the – you know, uh, let's uh, have our fun before the clock strikes midnight here. It might be 11.55 for Duke, but, um, you know, that, that that I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to wait and see what happens uh, when, when the tickets start rolling. And I'm looking at the Action Network right now. Grant, there's only 176 bets on it. 96% of the tickets, though, are on Duke. Uh, I'm curious, if it stays high, if that line starts to um, – drop down a little bit more and you see a, a Florida State minus two, uh, even even one and a half potentially. But if it climbs the other way, if I see this tick up sure. towards four, yeah. uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna be back in the Knowles because I really feel like that's just telling me, hey, we are not we are not yeah. worried about the Blue Devils in this one. And, and where did the seven footer come from? The freshman. Yeah. Right? I'm like that too. It, it, I, I don't understand. Like look, great, I don't wanna I know I knocked Coach K like all year, but um, I just I don't understand how, and I guess it's because your programs are so loaded all the time. I just don't understand how these kids are there, and you're like, eh, all right, we're gonna throw them in here at the last second and see what happens with them. Like, don't they show you anything in in practice and, and right. stuff like that? Like to not get them to crack the lineup a little bit, and in a season like they've had, where you know, thirteen and twelve, like you don't think at some point this kid could have gotten in there and you know, at least had an opportunity, and maybe he didn't, he didn't show anything in those games, and, you know, this last game he just showed up, but I find it hard to believe that there's a seven-footer sitting there, and you're like, well, let's keep him on the bench. (laughs) Crazy. Let's keep things moving and go to the Pac-12, where uh, you got to pick on the number one seed in the conference, and that is the Oregon Ducks. They're laying nine against the Arizona State Sun Devils, total of 147. Obviously, Bill, we talked plenty about Arizona State being one of the most disappointing teams in the nation this year. I'm curious if your play is 
more against Arizona State on Oregon or a little bit of both here? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I'm, I'm in a way, I'm fading Arizona State. I think that that look good for them. They got a nice little win today. Uh, they advanced, but I talked about Oregon before. This Oregon team is completely healthy. They're a different animal when they have all their pieces together. Uh, I don't think Arizona State is going to be able to hang with them. Uh, I believe Arizona State on this season is something like, I'm seeing if I have it here. Yeah, here it is. They are 0-4 against ranked opponents. I do believe Oregon is ranked, and that smells a little bit of trouble for me with the Sun Devils there. I just don't think that they're going to be able to have enough to run here with Oregon. The line to me is indicative of that. Uh, it's almost double digits. So if I would have seen like a five, six, maybe even six and a half point line here, I think I'd be a little bit more nervous seeing that Arizona State might actually have a chance in it. But um, I think I saw it open at eight and a half. I like where it's at now. Uh, the Ducks, I think, just have too, too much going on for them right now. I think they're going to dispose of the Sun Devils and make them look like the team that they've been all year long, not the team that we thought we were going to get preseason. Yeah, and I, I definitely – I'm not going to have a play here, but it would be the side I would lean to. Uh, with these teams like Arizona State that have just massively underachieved, um, it, it, you get to the conference tournament and it's just like, well – I suppose on one hand, it might be easy to say, oh, well, here's a team with all these expectations now with nothing to lose, getting almost double digits. But if not now, like, I, I don't see it really coming together for Arizona State. And, and listen, like, yet again, I, you know, and maybe this is always going to be the case because this is just how the nation thinks. And we're always going to have East Coast biases and we're not going to really look at the Pac-12 and take them all that seriously. I mean, I'm sure Gonzaga, they're not in the Pac-12, but I'm sure they've felt that they've been underappreciated for years now, uh, you know, playing out there in Spokane. And, you know, maybe Oregon this time of year, even in the conference tournament, just, you know, we always talk about reasons for margin and if, if they're going to want to run this thing up. Like, going, if there's ever time to really make some statements and run scores up and, and improve your seed and, you know, there's more eyes watching you now. So uh, I wouldn't hesitate if you liked Oregon to swallow the points here. Uh, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, moving down the – I mean, I, you'd have to think they're probably the, the favorite. I mean, they're the number one seed. You'd have to think that this is going to line up pretty well. I, I would love to see Oregon and UCLA in a semifinal, though. Yeah, I agree. I, I would look forward to that as well. Um but yeah, I think the Ducks are going to be able to handle these Sun Devils pretty, pretty easily tomorrow. Yeah, and, and like you said, 0-4 for Arizona State against the spread against ranked teams. I mean, I think that just sums up their season in a nutshell. Whenever they've had to step up in class, it hasn't gone well for Bobby Hurley's team. Uh, so I definitely think you're on the right side of the number on that one. I want to go to the SEC for one play before we end with a trio of Big Ten plays. Uh, and I'm going to look to uh, a game... Uh, between one team that's definitely not going to the NCAA tournament, one team that definitely is, but I'm going to be on a team that's not going, and I want to take the Georgia Bulldogs plus six against Missouri, total of 153.5. Bill, you kind of mentioned it in our conference preview, or conference tournament preview there about Missouri kind of being an intriguing team, one that, you know, could make some people sweat, you know, if you're a, Arkansas fan, or if you're, uh, you know, they already beat Alabama. They actually already beat Arkansas, too. So I think Missouri definitely has, has the respect of the conference elites here in the SEC. 
But I was I was looking through Missouri's schedule, and like I said, all right, wow, I, I you know I knew they had the Alabama win. I knew they had, you know, I did not know actually that they had an Arkansas win. I remember watching them. I believe we were both on this game early in the year, non-conference. They beat Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they beat Florida. They beat Tennessee. These other teams we talked about, you know, non-Arkansas, Alabama, SEC teams that could make a run. Well, they beat two of them there in Florida and Tennessee. And they also have a non-conference win against Oregon. Granted, that was back early in the season. But obviously that looks a lot better now. So why then... <laughs> Is Missouri, I was just kind of saying this to myself and looking at their full body of work, well, why aren't they right there at the top of this conference? Why aren't they on the three-seed line or the, or the four line or something like that? And it's because they are just way too inconsistent to trust as a team this year. Six and eight against the spread is a favorite. And if you, it looks even more dr- drastic if you just look at SEC games, four and seven against the spread as a favorite in the SEC. So... Conzo Martin's teams just don't seem to button it up and bring enough consistency on a nightly basis. And that's why, I'll be honest, like, I'm not really going to be enthralled with them whenever they land in the big dance because I just never know what kind of team I'm getting. You know, it's a team that, as I said, can't cover numbers as a favorite, but all those outright wins I mentioned are obviously his dogs against Alabama, Illinois, Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, Oregon. So the real reason I like this is I just think for a while now, they've been in cruise control. I mentioned all those wins. The most recent one was on was against Alabama, which is in the middle of February, which, by the way, they almost choked that game. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, they've played seven games. They're two and five, both straight up and against the spread. And one of those games was a double-digit loss against Georgia. So it just doesn't seem like a team that you want to give points with. I'm going to be on Georgia here, plus the six. There, we have seen glimpses from Tom Crean's team throughout the year. They beat LSU. I mentioned them beating Missouri. I think they have enough here to cover this number. Uh, and, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they took it outright, but I'm taking the six. Yeah, I can't get on either side of this. Uh... For the reason you said, right, Missouri is up and down. You never know what you're going to get. And as much as that makes me feel uneasy if I was to back them, it still makes me feel uneasy to go against them, too, because you don't know what you're going to get in sure, sure. You know, They come out guns blazing. I'm like, oh, shit, why am I against these guys? And I, know they have the, I know they have the ability to do this. Um, the fact they lost by double digits to this Georgia team and they're still favored by six makes me a little bit nervous. Like I said, I'm not going to have a play on it. I'll, I'll be paying attention to it because I – I'll be rooting for you to get that W, um, but I will be hoping that you get the cover and not the outright win because I want to see Missouri advance into this tournament. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like, you know, they it's the kind of team that maybe they get a little dangerous after they get through this game, but I just think that's an easier said than done contingency for a team like Missouri that, as I said, I just can't trust them, and so I'm taking the six points with the Bulldogs. Let's go to the Big Ten uh, to wrap things up for this podcast. we got a trio of picks. And I'm laying the wood with the Ohio State Buckeyes against the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the Big Ten. ten it's 10.5, it looks like, right now. Total of 147. And I'm going to give the points and back Ohio State. Really, this is just uh, – I'm going to be brief here. Ohio State, and, yeah, I'm a little salty. I had them against <laughs> Illinois. 
they, 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 they just collapsed down the stretch. And we talked about how good Illinois has been playing. And, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Illinois here, but Ohio State really was playing better than Illinois. At least, you know, they earned that spot where in the second half they have a lead and then they, they just completely fall apart. And I look at that, and, and when it's against a team as good as Illinois, I think more often than not that's a bet-on type of letdown. I mean, you know, certainly you can make a case that, you know, okay, well, you lose a game like that, could they be headed for a free fall? But I, I don't buy that when you look at the way Illinois has been playing. The fact that they get to that position against Illinois, who's as hot as anybody right now, makes me think that Ohio State uh, is going to be out, out for blood here. And who better to take it out on than Minnesota? I mean, we obviously <laughs> lost today on Northwestern, but the fact that Minnesota could not bury them, and, and matter of fact, not even bury them, nearly lost the game by double digits. I mean, they end up winning, yeah. but they're down by seven. That just proves that this is not a team you want to trust at all right now. And just because they were able to beat lowly Northwestern, that does not mean that I'm trusting them any more than I was 24 hours ago. Ohio State and Ohio State big. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I didn't have an official play on it. I, I'm definitely on a heavy lean here with the Buckeyes now. The fact they lost four straight, granted, Michigan, Iowa, Illinois. The right. bad one is the Michigan State who got right. in. And that's, with- and that's the thing, Bill. Like I, I, I talked about reason form and how sometimes I can prioritize a little more here. But when you look at those teams, it just feels like a little bit of a get-right spot, and they kind of uh, you know uh, unleash a little anger here on the Gophers. Right, and like I said, like they have a decent path to get to the Big Ten final here. So it starts, obviously, with this Minnesota team, um, and I think they're going to be hungry. They're hungry to play a team like this Minnesota team who really doesn't have that much going for him except for Marcus Carr. And, you know, we saw him close the game out today, but that was because it was only a seven-point game. Ohio State, if you play the way they played today, against Ohio State tomorrow, it ain't going to be a seven-point game. It's going to be at least a 17-point game at that point. And, <laughs> you know, Marcus, Marcus Carr is one of the best closers there is. You're not closing the gap of 17 points um, come the last three to five minutes against this Buckeye team. So, yeah, I'm not on them yet. I'll, I'll likely end up backing them. Because if you look back, too, before that four-game losing streak, man, they were on a tear. It was it one, two, three, four, five, right, six, right. seven straight. What, did they get as high as, like, three in the country? Yeah, and they had wins against, at the time, number 10, Wisconsin, number 8, Iowa. Um, you know, they did it on at home. They did it on the road. You know, they were looking very, very, very strong. And, again, this is definitely going to be a get-right spot for them. Um, they've had time to prepare. To prepare. Uh, what did they do? I don't know if you mentioned it. What they did against Minnesota this year. I oh, did not mention that, honestly. They I, lost. There you go. <laughs> and they lost by 17. My <laughs> and God. And they're point favorite. And guess, and guess where they were at Minnesota. Right? Well, I know Minnesota they weren't on the Because the Gophers <laughs> didn't win on the road at all this year. Right, exactly. So, my God, 17 points, and now you're favored by 11 and a hook. Uh, yeah, Buckeyes are definitely going to be the one that's going to be blowing them out here. Said I didn't have a play on them. I'm definitely going to be having a play on them. Not a max. I'm looking but, probably looking to you to play. Right. I'm actually going to be sending it out to my guys right now. Uh, two let's units, get our, let's Buckeyes. Get our Brutus costumes on and go oh. Buckeyes. Oh, wait. I-O. Let's wrap things up. Two <laughs> more picks in the Big Ten. Uh, Bill, you're, uh, you're a Rutgers guy. You're going to yes. give three points here with the Scarlet Knights. 
against the Indiana Hoosiers, total of 132. Yeah. Uh, the Rutgers, I said, I think everybody's locked into the tournament here for for the Big Ten, but, you know, if 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 Rutgers drops this game, it's going to be a little scary. Um, Indiana's coming in riding a five-game losing streak, including an 11-point loss to this Rutgers team. Rutgers, like I said, 14-10, sit at the 10 seed in Lenardi's latest bracket. A win here, there's no doubt. They're in. You don't have to worry about anything else. They lose. It's going to get really sweaty come selection Sunday. Hoosiers have been ice cold. 0-5 against the spread their last five games against teams with winning straight-up records. 0-4 their last four following a straight-up loss. Rutgers, I believe, is going to be able to get the job done here. Um, like I said, being 0-5 against teams with straight-up winning records, it just seems like Indiana can't step up to the plate. Um against teams that are, you know, on the better side of things within this great Big Ten conference. And the fact that they've been on this five-game slit, I just don't see them uh, being able to get out of it in time against these Scarlet Knights. Scarlet Knights, laying a three, I see it winning by at least eight points. Yeah, I'll be honest, I don't have a ton here, but I definitely uh, could buy what you're selling there with Rutgers, uh, you know, kind of just needed to solidify itself and, and Indiana kind of being a sinking ship. I mean, uh, yeah, the Hoosiers. Uh, gosh, I, I think it was a game we had. It, we it, and I'm just guessing here. Uh, it feels like we talked about that Illinois game that they had in Bloomington uh, uh, back in early February. But you know, they it feels like most of the month after that because that was a competitive game that they couldn't pull out, and it just feels like most of this month of February. Obviously, you mentioned coming in on a five-game losing streak that obviously spilled into March. Uh, but it feels like uh, the, the air is out of the balloon there for Indiana, much in the same way we've talked plenty about Minnesota. Not as drastic, but despite that, uh, yeah, it does, it does feel like uh, Indiana is not a team I want any piece of right now in a conference as deep as the Big Ten. And Rutgers obviously wants to uh, sleep a little easier uh, come Thursday night and into the weekend. So uh, the Scarlet Knights for Bill. Let's wrap things up with another early tip-off. Uh, we started with an 11.30 Eastern tip, and we'll end with an 11.30 Eastern tip. First game of the day in the Big Ten tournament is where we're going for a consensus play on the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, looks like they are hovering around pick. Mm-hmm. I got them at pick. You can get them plus a short number, one, one and a half. I think is still out there at some shops. Uh, but, you know, they're playing Maryland. And Michigan State's coming off that big win against Michigan. And I'm just not buying Izzo having a letdown here. Uh, they're currently in Lenardi's last four buys section. So even with a loss, at worst, you'd think they slipped to maybe the last four in. Which, you know, I, if you had to ask me right now, you know, give me a percentage on Michigan State if they make it or not. I'd probably say like 90% they're in right as of today. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a win here just solidifies it to 100 because we're saying that we still think Maryland, as we talked about at the beginning of the pod, probably makes it anyway. Uh, also, a revenge spot for Michigan State, having lost by 18 at Maryland in mid-February. And the reason why I think that's so relevant is because we've seen Michigan State since pick up wins against Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan. So I think it's a much different Michigan State team, albeit only a month removed, basically, from that game. Win here, and I don't think you got anything to worry about, any possible scenario whatsoever. Spartans uh, will win the game, and that's all I need them to do here. 
So I'm taking <laughs> State. Yeah, I saw it at some shops actually open as as a two point dog. So the fact that it's moved all the way to a pick makes me feel really good about it. I'm gonna be maxing these guys. Uh, Sparty, it's March, it's Izzo time, Maryland. Uh, I don't know. They haven't really been that good in my mind since what Juan Dixon was on the squad. Yeah, and I, I, it's funny you say that. Like they're still a tournament team, but you're right. Like it feels like. Uh, you know, they're just one of, I remember we got bent over with Maryland on a consensus play against Ohio State. They're catching like three or four in College Park. And, and, but we were talking about that as like being like a super weird line or whatever, almost as if to say like Maryland's not even that good. And like they are getting in the tournament. I just haven't watched a lot of Maryland this year. I'll just be straight up with you. Yeah, I mean, I have at least a decent amount of it. And they really haven't impressed me too much. And, but more so, the play here for me is the Michigan State surging. Um, but against Michigan, it was a back-to-back game. Michigan really didn't have anything to play for. They already had the Big Ten wrapped up. Then Eli Brooks goes down. You feel like, all right, everybody's kind of like, all right, let's just not get hurt the rest of this way. Right. Um, they, but they did. They made a push back on them, and it looked like they were going to possibly get the W. And uh, Sparty pushed back on them again and, and pushed away and got the W. So, I think they're going to be able to use that as motivation going forward. Izzo, again, being one of the best coaches of all time, to sit there and say, look, we just beat the number two team in the country. Um, again, granted, they weren't playing for, for much of anything, but it's still pride, right? Like, it's still your, your rival, your, in, your in-state rival. So um, I think it's going to use that as motivation. They'll be up for this game. Uh, and, again, if they win this, they're – hands down in the tournament. I don't think they're going to want to have to sweat it out at all. Uh, and, again, Maryland doesn't really do anything that super impresses me. Um, they tend to be a team, I feel like, at least in the past, that shoot the ball well from deep. Uh, you know, this year they're 35%, but Michigan State does a really good job of defending the three, so that really isn't a big concern for me. Um, again, Michigan State's team hits the glass pretty good, so wouldn't be surprised to see them win the rebounding battle here. Um, and, yeah, be able to handle it. All we need is a W. We're not even worrying about points here. So give me Sparty in this one. Max play. Let's have another great day tomorrow. Here's to a better consensus play in the Big Ten than yesterday. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 hey, if that's what happens, if we somehow lose this game, if, if we see Maryland win this game, I think we have to decide no more consensus plays on Big Ten teams going forward until the end of the tournament. <laughs> There he is, Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry at Larry's Locks, too. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg for all my gambling picks. And, of course, follow the podcast at full underscore slate underscore pod. Bill, we'll be talking plenty over the coming days. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Hey, guys, be on the lookout on my Twitter. I think I posted it already. I'm going to be posting it throughout the week. I'll be running a free March Madness bracket tournament. Cash prize is the first and second place. VIP for the month, VIP for the week for third and fourth place. Fifth place will be able to get 50% off the full year VIP service. At the end of the day, it's just going to be about a lot of fun. I want to see a lot of entries in there. So keep your eye out on Twitter to see me posting the free link for that. There he is, Bill Christie at Larry's Locks 2 on Gambling Twitter. Lucha Larry, I'm Greg Frank, as I said, at Undercover Greg. And one last time, follow the podcast at full underscore slate underscore pod. This has been Full Slate. A Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy the Thursday of College Hoops. Certainly plenty to watch. And we'll talk to you again over the weekend. Everyone, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.